Hey there, podcast listeners. Connor here with a quick message before we start the show. I want to keep making the show better and better, and I really want to get your feedback. So if you're a regular listener to the show, I'd love to talk to you. Drop me an email, connor at insuretechireland.org, and we can set up a Zoom call. That's it. Can't wait to hear from you. Here's the show. Hello, I'm Connor Sweetman and welcome to InsureTech Radio, the podcast that teaches you about how technology is transforming insurance and about the people making it happen. As always, we are brought to you by InsureTech Ireland. Sign up to our newsletter at insuretechireland.org and every week we'll send you three little nuggets from the InsureTech and startup ecosystems. This week, I'm very excited to welcome my guest, Cal McAllister. We need to go on the journey of what our customers will experience and at every step of the way, look at what might cause fall off or drop out or frustration and then figure out how we can creatively solve that. Cal is founder of the Seattle-based marketing agency, The Paper Crane Factory. Cal works exclusively with early stage startups and he helps them with strategy, brand development and content creation. I think this episode is particularly important for insurance people to hear. As insurance professionals, it's so easy to get caught up in looking inward at the wordings and the underwriting, and sometimes we can forget about the customer. And as Cal points out, customers need to make time for brands in their lives, and businesses need to figure out how do you become one of those brands that customers can't live without. Throughout the episode, Cal and I talk about problem solving, brand building, and using creativity to fuel your growth. Enjoy. Hey, Kyle. You're very welcome to InsureTech Radio. How are you? All right, Connor. Thanks so much for having me. Well, can we just start with an introduction? How did you guys get started? Well, we had a pretty good philosophy. So the idea was instead of taking profit, let's take equity in the companies that we're working with, which allowed us to work and focus entirely on startup companies. Everybody on our roster now is a partner of ours where instead of taking that profit, we're invested in their business. So that allows us that same creativity solves everything approach, but now it's both of our money. So we're even more invested in the success of the work we're doing. That's a really interesting model. So it's kind of like, kind of like venture capital in a way. I imagine there's a numbers game aspect to it. There is, and there's a lot of filters and you're exactly right. It's like venture capital. Our capital is time. What we look at is the people that are running the company. The, the idea has to be exceptional. The idea is, is table stakes. So we look at the people running the company if we believe that they can take it from two women in a garage working on a laptop to 500 people. We look at what the market looks like for what they're doing. And a lot of people work on a product market fit. We do more of a product customer fit. We look to find the individual customer who we think is going to make time for this brand in their lives, move somebody else out. Everybody really has a capacity to care about only four or five brands. So can we, as marketing and branding people, make the product that our partners have created one of those four or five things that then becomes essential to the day-to-day -day life of the customer? So we need to make sure as a branding agency we can turn that product into something that is that important to the consumer. And that's when we know that it has an exponential growth opportunity. And how did you arrive at that philosophy? Was there a particular experience that you had? Well, it was actually one of the first products that we worked on. It was incredibly well supported. It was 
on paper a fantastic idea. Everybody that we talked to liked the liked what it was about. But when it came down to it, it was truly nothing more than a nice to have. It was a, a recommendation engine and nobody is hurting for recommendations. So it really turned out that, wow, that, that sounded great, but it's kind of a nice to have. So we just had a real wake up call when we said, all right, that, that nice to have that works for, you know, five or 10% of the population is not gonna, <laughs> it's not gonna carry the water for us. So thankfully our first, uh, initial, um, oversights led to fundamentally changing our approach to business. What are some of the more unusual or counterintuitive approaches to marketing and thinking about content and branding that you've seen work over the years? Well, I think that when we look for things that are successful historic or things that have been successful historically, they've lined up with a creative, unexpected approach because marketing and advertising always is an uninvited guest to the party. So you better be entertaining. <laughs> you better be <laughs> better be humble and it helps to be funny. Then, you know, the other aspect of it is you need to find people who are willing to listen to your message. So if the party's already too big and somebody shows up with the with four friends, you've already kind of shut that person off and turned that person off. So that four spot commercial break in the middle of your really important television <laughs> broadcast is unwelcomed. However, one of the things that that at least the people in Seattle saw that we got a lot of credit for when we launched the Sounders, which are the Seattle Sounders are our MLS team. We launched them almost nine years ago. One of the reasons we won that business was we talked about creating a march to the match that gave people something to do because Seattle is, our stadium is a downtown, a city stadium. So a lot like Wrigley Field in Chicago, the bars have specials and people can can walk to the games. It's very different than, than say, the Meadowlands or, or other places that are drive-to and destination stadiums. So, so looking at that, we said, well, let's create a march. Let's, let's start it you know, a mile away and let's give all those people something to do. Uh, and there's a company called Padova in Italy that does it. They actually march a casket to the stadium with the opposing team's flag draped over the casket. So Seattle's a little more <laughs> passive than that. <laughs> but it was one of the more successful things that we did. And we did all kinds of, you know, we we borrowed the scarf, you know, from the scarf concept from especially Brazil, but all over Europe. And it really hadn't been done in the MLS before. So so we really looked for opportunities and for people who wanted to be soccer fans where they they were desperate to want to express themselves. So it was a marketing opportunity for us. They ended up selling, you know, millions of scarves over the years because people wanted to hold the scarf up and be part of that brand. So it worked exponentially better and the march of the match worked exponentially better than any television commercial we could have ever ran. And that's because we had a consumer who was already eager, willing to listen and was going to be receptive to a message. And advertising in general doesn't do that. The companies that are successful often will just have a shotgun approach to media and spend and spend and outspend their competitors. And that's how they become a household name. And that doesn't mean you're a positive household name necessarily, <laughs> but especially the space that we're working in with startups and, and early stage companies, they don't have that money and should not spend that money now. So we need to be extra thoughtful about where we can reach the people who are willing to receive the messages that we create. 
And if we think over the last six months or so with the pandemic arriving in and, you know, you're dealing with early stage businesses who will have cash flow concerns, what kind of decisions are you making now in terms of marketing for those types of businesses? Well, it's hard. And obviously it's a case by case business. Two of our clients went under indefinitely and maybe forever because they were customer facing businesses. So there was nothing we could do to, to save them. And they were smart to pull the plug. Now they may come back at another time. The big thing that's changed in the last, in the last several months with the pandemic is where you see people and where you can meet people. So social media ads have gotten really expensive and Facebook is trading at all time highs, even with the ad boycott, because that's where people are. We found that our social channels that we create have gotten more attention than in previous times, you know, in non-pandemic times, because that's also where people are, are spending time. And what we're trying to solve right now from a consumer standpoint is just the domination of Amazon, which is probably becoming the second most popular search engine <laughs> in the United States anyway, during the last couple of months. And maybe, I, I don't know the numbers, but I see more people on Amazon than I do on Google. So maybe I've, my numbers are even off there. So what we're trying to solve is how to, how to get into that life cycle when people's default is just to go to Amazon and, and buy something. And we haven't solved that yet. We're still, the Amazon marketplace is going to be a booming business. And we've got to figure out either how to drive people to it or to search on Amazon with intention. And, and that's what we're just, that's what we're learning is how to, how to reach a customer that is sitting at the kitchen table and everything is happening there as opposed to where we used to be able to reach them. And we haven't done a billboard in years, but uh, we you used to be able to do brand impressions because people were out and now they're not. And we've got to solve for that. What's the new billboard, do you think? What we found, a couple of the products that we're working on and the partners that we're working with, I think that this word of mouth, which has been kind of a trend for the last three or four years, has never been more important because the new billboard, I think, is my friend saying, save some time. And this is what you're looking for. In fact, just this past weekend, I had a conversation with a, a really good friend of mine who had researched a boat. It's boating season up here and people want to get a fishing boat, you know, nothing too extravagant, but because money's tight, people are looking, doing a lot of research, bought a boat, told a friend, this is the boat I got. I did the research. And then his buddy bought the exact same boat the next weekend. <laughs> so I think that it's just a good example of how Word of mouth is really important, largely because everybody is, because of the situation that we're in, working at a, a new level of exhaustion. People have probably, the people that I talk to have never worked as much or at least had more of their time spoken for making that recommendation and review culture, either first person or anonymous, you know, four star review, never more important. It's never been more important as it is today. So the new billboard, I think, is your next door neighbor who says, you know, I just got this weed whacker and here's the reason I did it. And people just go and get that weed whacker. Yeah. The headphones that I'm wearing right now recording this, I bought those for the exact same reason. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine did all the research and then he went on to explain every brand and model. And I was just like, just tell me what you bought. Yeah. <laughs> you clearly did your research. I'll just buy that. It is, it is exactly how the world is behaving right now. So... And what I think is challenging about that is, you know, we've, we've had a culture from a journalism standpoint for years where you had qualified people that knew what to test for and knew how to test durability, knew how to test product quality in ways that I do not. 
I'll throw on a set of headphones and I will do the exact same thing you and everybody else does, which is ask my friends. So, <laughs> so you have unqualified people making reviews and recommendations, which people take as a lot more valuable than brand positioning and what marketing can do. So we just have to make sure on our side that it is also a brand that people like and behave in ways that get, that make people proud to make that recommendation beyond the, the technology and the research that they've done to recommend brands that have their heart in the right place and behave in ways that general consumers can relate to. So that's our part of it. We know that we're not going to undo review culture. So like, I wanted to explore the idea that creativity will help fuel our survival out of this crisis, particularly for businesses. Can you give me some ideas of the types of ways that you would approach businesses in a creative way? And maybe give me an idea of some practices that our listeners can implement themselves. Sure. Our belief is that creativity solves everything, that creativity is what gives us the playbook because we need to look at problems like they've never happened before. We need to think creatively about what might happen so we're prepared for those things to happen. So to get creativity going on, on our partner side, and even here, it's very important for us to give creativity a little bit of framework. So we'll look at a situation and we'll look at, at a customer experience, for example. But it's important for everybody at the company, as small as they might be, to role play through what a customer journey is for their product, whether it's software or dry shampoo or a blockchain intellectual property backed system for musicians. We need to go on the journey of what our customers will experience. And at every step of the way, look at what might cause fall off or drop out or frustration, and then figure out how we can creatively solve that, not just not just manually solve it, not just give them a bridge from point A to B, because it's creativity that, that will keep people engaged with that brand. And then we put a little bit of our Henry Ford thinking on it. You know, if we asked our customers what they wanted, Henry Ford asked, they would have said faster horses. So instead of answering that, we look at, we try and use creativity and solve problems that our partners, customers don't even know are there yet. So what happens if we could get from A to B faster and it can't be on a machine that we already have? Or what happens if we could have a meal delivered differently or more efficiently because we have to versus relying on traditional, on this delivery, we're going to go to five different doors. So really it is just role-playing the customer experience while it happens or before it even happens that allows us to implement creativity where there are no wrong answers. There are some bad answers, but there are no wrong answers. And that allows us and allows the partners that we work with to really, and there would always be unpredictable things that happen. But if we've already been through something similar in our minds once, because we were thinking creatively about a problem that we didn't even know was going to happen, that sets us up for a better opportunity for success to help manage and keep that customer through a problem cycle. So say someone was adamantly, they disagreed with you. Like, how would you uh, bring them around? Well, if somebody adamantly disagreed that creativity is not the most important thing in the world, that, that might be difficult. That's kind of a 
pro-life, pro-choice thing. Uh, <laughs> so I don't want to argue about God with anybody. I think creativity is God. So <laughs> if there are creative atheists, I'm going to have a hard time with them. I would say that the proof is all over the planet that creative solutions are both rewarding and enjoyable in the expression of art and music and even the way athletes perform on the field. When people are using creativity, I think it's the purest expression of what they can contribute to the planet. And who doesn't want to see that? And who doesn't get chills when they see that? And, and how does it not give you butterflies when you come up with something that other people uh, haven't done and you want to share with the world? So, so to me, creativity is the absolute you know, is the absolute lifeline to leading a happy life. But again, there's some people I'm never going to convince. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty convincing. <laughs> Do you have any like, personal principles for creativity? I have a note that my daughter wrote to me that was, and she's, she's just turned 12, that I, it's the only thing on my wall. Uh, it says rules, star, don't follow any rules. Second star, please keep it real. And that's it. <laughs> so I think that, it, that I actually really like having rules in place. People think that, that rules are a problem. From a creative standpoint, rules give me an opportunity to not necessarily break them, but to go around them and to go places where people haven't played before. And I think that's what she meant, as she's wiser than I am, about what keep it real means. But rules, I think, are terrific because it means that people are thinking about an area that you don't need to think about anymore. You can go somewhere else and, and creativity is the rope that you're swinging from on the tree. How far from the tree can you go? I think that Personal principles for me, I'd need to constantly remind myself that creativity allows you to be nearly boundless and, and it's okay to be exhausted by trying to be creative. In fact, if you're not kind of exhausted at the end of it, you need to figure out a different way to flex those muscles and to work that part of your brain that either has atrophied or, you know, like that a big part of yoga is actually finding the spot where it's stretching your muscles and is approaching uncomfortable, not just sitting in that position. <laughs> we have to do the same thing with our creativity and our minds. Kyle, thanks so much for coming on InsureTech Radio. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it, Connor. It's a lot of fun talking to you today. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn. And please visit our website, insuretechireland.org. See you next week.